94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. Here on the phone, we have the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Josh Green. Good morning, Lieutenant Governor. Hey. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, Lieutenant Governor, we wanted to get right into, geez, now we're in a new uh, a presidential administration rolling out a lot of new measures ta- uh, targeting the pandemic. Lieutenant Governor, are you expecting to see here in Hawaii many changes, improvements? What's what's the sense of what's coming here? Absolutely. I, I mean, it's, it's like night and day. And, and I'm not going to be disrespectful of the previous administration. It's just, it makes a big difference. A lot of our goals, for instance, to vaccinate our entire state much more quickly are completely aligned with their philosophy. And with an open you know, line of communication to that team, the Surgeon General and whatnot, it helps a lot. It, it won't immediately solve every problem because some of the problems are, are big ones. Like we have to create actually enough vaccine. We have to manufacture it. These are not small challenges, but it, it's like night and day. You know, they're already talking about fixing the immigration problems, which do affect us here in Hawaii. And mm-hmm. dealing, with, uh, dealing with the COVID crisis, me being able to ask them specifically what the impact of the vaccine will be on travel and immunity and so on real fast, I felt really grateful for. So, um, yeah, big changes. Uh, everyone's feeling it in my universe. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a change for the country. Lieutenant Governor, uh, touching on the, the vaccination portion of this, um, yes. I've been hearing and reading and seeing stuff about them not being Moderna and Pfizer specifically not being able to produce enough vaccine uh, to hit the goal that President Biden has set in place. Are you feeling that way as well? Is there something that they can do to ramp things up? Because they're only they're about halfway only, right? Right. That is a problem. So they've been able to make 4.3 million doses each a week. So 8.6 million doses uh, and that's a little short because even even that over the course of 100 days and, you know, 100 days is how many weeks? It's like... Uh, Don't make me do math. That's like, <laughs> yeah, It's a lot. That, that, that <laughs> will actually be close to, that's going to be 13 times 8 million. That actually is about 100 million doses. But, they, but Pfizer and Moderna are spreading this stuff around the world, too. So they have to ramp up and we need to approve Johnson Johnson's vaccine, which is a one shot uh, and done deal. Uh, for immunization, and then also the AstraZeneca. That's going to be the road, I believe, to get us to this um, 100 million dose goal over the course of 100 days. They're going to do all they can to achieve that. And if you look at what that would mean for us, okay, so that 100 million doses, uh, usually the way it works is we get about one three hundredth of whatever the country does, okay, money-wise, appropriations, and so on. If you divide it you know, if you divide that amount, that gives us 333,000 doses. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good number of, of a lot of extra doses. So we want to push for these kind of numbers uh, just because right now we are doing okay, but we're not all the way there. We have 180, uh, 188,975 doses in the state right now, plus or minus a couple. And that, you know, it's getting pushed out really fast. We're, we're well over... 90,000 people that have gotten vaccinated now. The unofficial number a day and a half ago was 86,000 doses, uh, 86,177. We're doing about 5,000 a day now. So we're more than half. I think we're about 55% or so used. And then the rest of those doses that aren't used yet are scheduled in the next 10 days. So we're going to quickly push up to this number of 180,000 or so. That's 
pretty good for our, our most vulnerable people. Get 36,000 new doses next week, but we're going to need bigger, bigger batches each week to get all the way where we want to be. Cause I really want to vaccinate people more quickly. Uh, so that's, um, that's how we're looking at it. And president Biden is really into this. I mean, this is like, this is their moonshot right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. So when you say over 90,000 people in Hawaii vaccinated now, um, are we talking about people who have gotten just, we're saying just the initial shot or, or both shots? Because that determines yeah. how immune they are, right? Yeah, I should, be, I should be a little bit more clear. So we've given over 90,000 shots. Uh, some people have received both of their shots. Mm-hmm. I can't give you the exact number of individuals. You know, it's difficult because we've got 42 or 43 spots across the state where people are getting vaccines and so we get data back each day uh total number of shots total number of people which shots and so on uh, but there's not that many people that have gotten uh the full complement of both shots yet uh, a smaller number so it, it quickly ramps up though because it's only three weeks between the two uh pfizer shots and four weeks between the two moderna shots so each and every week uh, you know, about half the people that are getting injected are getting their second and the other half are getting their first. And it just continues to roll forward like that. So the more vaccine we can get in, the better. Also, I'm kind of, I'm personally keen on the Johnson Johnson vaccine that's going to come. And the reason for that is uh, there are going to be a lot of people that are lower risk, you know, workers, essential workers, but they're maybe a little bit younger. They have to get vaccinated, but they may very well like just getting one shot. Mm-hmm. Just get mm-hmm. done with. Mm, and yeah. that's good. It's going to be very good later when we're talking about extremely low risk folks, young people. Once we've done all of our kapuna and all of the essential workers, that would be more than adequate for most people. So it's it's easier to do. You can move the vaccine around a lot uh, more readily, and you know it just gets you to the whole. You just get to the whole, um, you know, the whole herd immunity thing faster. So. My my expectation is by the end of February, we will have gone through all of the 1A and 1B category and begun to move into the 1C category, which is people between 65 and 74. And that's when we start, we'll start really noticing uh, less severe hospitalizations, less risk, you know, less, less heartbreak stories. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited about that. I mean, most times the, the winter is very boring and wet, but this year it's going to be all smiles because... You know, a lot of people are doing hard work to get these vaccines into people's arms, and it, um, it's going to pay dividends. It will it'll begin to restore normalcy for us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first uh, uh, mass vaccination clinic opened up this week at Pier 2, and I know the next one, uh, the, the next mass vaccination clinic will open up at the Blaisdell next week, Monday. Um, how is, you know, we, we heard about some of the hiccups there where, you know, some people who were not supposed to get vaccinations got vaccines. Um, what, how, what kinds of, <laughs> how, how did that happen, I guess? And, and uh, what kinds of measures are, are being taken to make sure that uh, the next uh, clinic opening up will be smoother? Well, it's a couple things. First, it's human nature for people to want to be vaccinated and there is some public health value, although this is not the way we're approaching it, but there is some public health value of actually, as it was pointed out by Director Char, uh, to have a person's caregiver be vaccinated if they're with someone who's very elderly and frail, because uh, the caregiver themselves is interfacing constantly with that kupuna, and you don't want an accidental infection to occur in between the time someone gets their first and second shots. Okay, mm-hmm. So there was some public health value, and, and many states are doing that, but because there's still a shortage, we instructed everybody, just please only vaccinate 
uh, individuals 75 and older until we get through, you know, this large push. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm referring to as going through February 1st. At that point, I think we'll be able to loosen it up a little bit. So that kind of stuff happens. It's no no one's fault. It's just it it actually had uh, public health value. But on the flip side, the other 75 year olds who haven't been scheduled yet are right to think that they ought to get their shot. Mm -hmm. So we're doing that. And we're doing it aggressively. You're right that we had we had actually two mass vaccination uh, efforts on Monday. Yeah. People weren't aware of it, maybe as much, but Pfizer vaccinated 1,600 people also oh, on right. Monday. That's right. We did report that. So, yes. Uh huh. No, they're doing gangbusters work. They're doing a thousand a day every day, and then they also had that big day. HPH, of course, has been really kicking butt. And in spite of their occasional moment, I know people they chattered a little bit about uh, the parking thing, and I, I get it. On the flip side, I kind of raised my eyebrows because paying $2 or $5 for parking when we're making sure that people get a free vaccine, that we have all these health personnel volunteering their time or working, you know, extra and and we're trying to expedite it. We don't want anyone ever to be disadvantaged. But, heck, I, I would gladly support anything that gets people through there more quickly. And that was meant to get people through more quickly uh, and safely. So. Even that we we you know we made we made a point to say don't charge anybody for parking. But overall, it's a big lift. You know when you're talking about uh, giving ninety thousand shots. Remember, we only got the Moderna vaccine thirty days ago. Mm-hmm. It came in it came in exactly thirty days ago, right? Mm-hmm. And the Pfizer thirty seven days ago. It's just it really just started, and we have now over forty uh, vaccination sites across the state. Uh, not perfect, but pretty darn good. I, no one has had a, um, a tragic outcome. We've been able to study that across the country. There have only been 21 in the sample that we saw. Uh, they did 1.89 million uh, checks of records, and there were only 21, 21 anaphylactic or severe allergic reactions, mm. and all those people lived. Uh, so that's good. It's been very safe. And we have only had, I think, one bad allergy uh, reaction here, someone who also had allergies to the flu vaccine and so and that person's also okay so it's a big lift and i'm just i'm just grateful that most people are being really understanding and patient because we're getting the kinks out you know uh, like anything else when you have thousands of people walking through your setting outdoors with a vaccine that has to be held at minus 70 degrees Mm -hmm. and um and there's a covid crisis going on around you you're bound to have an occasional moment right and so uh, I guess that's how I describe it as an occasional moment. Uh, but we still are going to fight for Kupuna first. When I describe, uh, and I'll stop here, but when I describe what the real principle of our vaccination program is, it's to vaccinate all of our Kupuna and everyone who provides services or cares for our Kupuna, like people in the ER or in the hospital um, ICU, or have to bring essential goods through, the, through our port because we need to have food and medicine in the state. I mean, these are the groups that we're uh, trying to always prioritize. And then, of course, our component themselves, especially those in nursing homes. That's the way to approach it to decrease uh, fatal outcomes. And it has been working. We've seen our case counts drop, good movement in the right direction. We've, we've dropped our hospital numbers 15% again. We were back down at 96 in the hospital yesterday, which is manageable. And I can tell you already those numbers are dropping today. Uh, as I get the preliminary numbers on the phone as we're talking. So things are going right because people are making good decisions for the most part. And each week that passes, I'm going to make sure that we get somewhere between 30 and 50,000 shots delivered. And that's going to be 
you'll see those numbers really add up nicely over the course of January, February, March, and so on. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here. Lieutenant Governor, I need help with some homework, so I'm hoping you can help <laughs> yeah. me. A friend of mine, his son is a Boy Scout, and he has been tasked with asking someone a, this question. Uh, his question Perfect. is, because he's a Boy Scout, so he's doing this to earn his badge. His question was, um, I understand that the prisoners are getting the vaccine. Um, so he was wondering why the prisoners get vaccines and people like him, uh, students, do not. Sure. No, that's a very brilliant question. So uh, technically, the prisoner population is in actually stage two. That is, uh, that's after the 1A category, 1B and 1C category. So stage two, that's where they formally are, unless unless there's someone that meets a different criteria, like they're over 75 years old. The uh, prison guards, the prison guards are getting the vaccine now because they are essential workers in a high-risk setting. And we did give the director of health the guidance to vaccinate any any institution or population if there's an outbreak that's jeopardizing the public health of many people at the same time and their health is translating into a, a, uh, a health problem or a health crisis. So at the prison, if the director of health chooses to vaccinate a couple hundred prisoners, for example, it would be because there was a surge in cases and those individuals were going to the hospital and like anything, taking up a lot of hospital beds that we all need. So incarcerated individuals or individuals that live in a nursing home that can't get out or individuals that are living in another institution like a care home, they, they tend to not be able to move around. And if they're exposed to COVID, they could be extremely vulnerable. And I think that a lot of people feel that uh, you should not ever prioritize someone who's done done something bad or wrong but in the case of healthcare, we don't discriminate one way or another on those grounds uh, we only talk about a person's ultimate vulnerability and the impact they would have on society and so you could imagine let's say 350 prisoners suddenly who had pretty, pretty poor health all became positive for covid and let's say theoretically 50 of them had to go to queen's hospital there would be no other hospital beds for anybody else yet we can't really prevent spread in the prisons or nursing homes as easily as you might like because we can't spread people out. We can't guarantee they're wearing a mask. And so I think that that's the kind of guidance you might give that young uh, gentleman who's going for his badge. In general, we're trying to reduce overall risk for society. And so there may be some moments that the director of health goes. But as for formal pri- you know, formal priority, the prison was not formally prioritized over any of the vulnerable groups like Kupuna. Or, or essential workers or anything. That was not the policy. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank Appreciate you. that. Thank you for I'm clarifying give, I'm going to give him that answer almost verbatim. I might, I might just take that entire sound button and just give it to him. Go, here you go. <laughs> uh, sir, uh, I want to go back on a, a comment that you just made about uh, the places that people can get vaccines. Because, of course, we've been reporting about the mass vaccination clinics. Uh, one at Pier 2 right now, another one coming up at Queens. Kaiser did a, a, has been doing mass vaccination as well. But earlier you said, did, did I hear it correctly? You said there are 40-something places uh, uh, in the state that are giving vaccinations? That's right. So there's, I, I believe it's 42 places all across the state. Okay, so the way to check that and check your locations is to go to hawaiicovid19.com, hawaiicovid19.com, and there there's lots of lists of where you can get vaccinated based on where you live. Okay. Uh, the big ones, the exciting ones for people on Oahu, of course, are Pier 2 and then coming up at the Blaisdell, but also the Windward site and the KCC site. Uh, those are also really active uh, vaccination sites. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, we just churn along at the Windward site, for instance, uh, which is where where a lot of people, a lot of healthcare personnel are getting vaccinated. Um, it seems like a sleepy site, but they do between six and nine hundred people a day. Hmm. And, you know, a couple of days a week they're doing second shots and a couple of days a week they're doing first shots. And so it's been really good. Uh, Queens, of course, set up their uh, their vaccination site at their hospital, as did HPH, before they branched out to these public sites. So this is meant really to get us through kind of the 1A, B, and C categories. And what I expect is once we get down uh, into the broad population, mm-hmm. we will very likely end up having uh, vaccinations be given at pharmacies. The pharmacies are also, by the way, the pharmacy partners that we have are doing innumerable vaccinations mm-hmm in the field. They're going to uh, nursing homes and doing all the vaccinations there. They're also doing vaccinations at care homes. Just the small care homes where just four or five people, those are called arches, you know, the residential Mm -hmm. facilities, Mm -hmm. also the developmental disability facilities. So a lot of people are getting shots there. And I've tasked them also to come up with a plan to help over time us vaccinate people who are extremely old and who may not live in a nursing home or an institution, but who are homebound. So we'll hope to do that too. So there's a lot of different approaches to this, but the large sites are many. And that's why, you know, I, I, I understand. Look, I understand when people say, hey, why, why don't we just have 300,000 people all vaccinated already? Well, for one thing, it's because we've only received 188,975 doses total. So we couldn't do 300 or 400 or 500,000 yet. The second thing is it does take planning. You have to be cognizant of the second shot that you're going to give people. So you have to make sure that you're prepared for that. And then finally, imagine setting up, it's basically like setting up 42 little health centers to, uh, you know, to go at it and right. to vaccinate people. And some of them have hundreds of people working. Uh, I believe there's 120 people active at the uh, Pier 2 site. This is our ticket to, uh, to freedom from COVID. Getting, getting most of our people vaccinated, those who believe in it. Mm. Lieutenant Governor, I, you know, our listeners have posted a zillion questions <laughs> on our Facebook. Does the va- like, does it matter which vaccine you get? Can you mix them up? Is it better to get the later ones? You know, like, like, will they address more of the mutations? Does the vaccine have to be taken every year? And once you get the vaccine, can you go without your mask? Is that okay? Can you help them kind of understand what it does for you, or like what you're allowed to do also after you get a vaccine? Sure. Okay. So let's go uh, vaccine 101. You get the shot, right? Mm-hmm. And if you get the Pfizer or Moderna shot, you, you get that first shot. And then about two weeks later, you will have 52 to 55% immunity. That's more or less what the science shows. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll cut down your chance by more than half of catching COVID. You should still be wearing a mask. After you get your second shot, three weeks after the Pfizer and four weeks after the Moderna you're getting close to 95% immunity and that full immunity is felt to kick in between one and two weeks after you've gotten it. Okay. So that's what happens. Now, what does the shot actually do to you? The shot has what's called MRNA, which is like proteins that were derived from the genetic code of the virus. And so this stuff, the body sees it and recognizes it as something different. And it's very similar to what is on the actual coat of the virus. The the virus uh, that is COVID-19 has these things called spike proteins. They look like spikes coming off of it. We've all seen pictures mm-hmm. of that now. Mm-hmm. So now the body has antibodies and it, that it creates, as our immune systems do, to attack what those spike proteins look like. So when you happen to bump into somebody that's got, got COVID or you are catching COVID or being exposed to COVID, 
your body already has the immune response ready, basically an arsenal to shoot it down. And you then will be immune. Now, what does that mean, though, as far as mask wearing? Well, one thing is you're not fully immune ever. You can't be 100%. And we still have a lot of people out there that are risky or have COVID. So we're going to recommend people keep wearing masks and socially distancing until we get herd immunity, at least. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. Two, there are other strains, although we believe the vaccine is, is going to be perfectly effective against those strains. Uh, but there are other strains that we're still being careful until we know that for sure. And finally, there is some there's some people in the scientific community that feel that people might still be able to carry some of the virus in their upper airways, in their nose and throat, even if they are immune to catching the virus. Oh, in interesting. Words, have, mm-hmm. And so we're, we're doing the scientific research on that right now. Because what will that mean? That will mean if we if we find out what we believe will be the case, like other viruses, we won't have to worry about that. However, if we find out people are very heavy carriers of COVID still, even if they're vaccinated, that will impact how we look at travel to Hawaii and, and how we exchange time with each other. Because let's say a person gets vaccinated, but for whatever reason, their kupuna chose not to be vaccinated. Well, we don't want you to carry the virus into the household and, and make them sick. So mm-hmm. we'll be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's not going to be personally. I think we're going to be OK. And uh, heck, I mean, all things being equal, we're better off every week that passes that we've been vaccinating people because our most vulnerable people now have this immunity that I described. And we're going to add more vaccines. We're going to add Johnson Johnson, AstraZeneca and, we're, and there's others. Some of them have slightly different mechanisms, but that's basically how it works. Other questions you're probably getting is, can, this, can the vaccination give me, give me COVID? Mm-hmm. No, it can't. It's not active virus that you're being injected with. You're just getting this, this code, basically, at these proteins. And so you don't have to worry about that. Can you take it if you've had chronic disease? Yes. In fact, you should. Can you take it if you've had cancer? Yes, because it's not going to give you the, uh, the infection. Can you, uh, can you take it? Um, let's see. Can you take it if you're on other medications? Yes, you can. Can you take it if you've had allergic reactions to other stuff? You can, but if you've had severe allergic reactions like anaphylaxis, Mm -hmm. uh, which means a severe allergic reaction that stops your breathing, then you should probably only take it in a hospital setting so that we can watch you. But very few people, only about one out of 100,000 have had that kind of reaction, so we shouldn't get much of that. Can you take it if you're a kid? No, not yet. Under age 16 has not been recommended. Can you take it if uh, if you've had COVID? Yes, you should, but you shouldn't take the way you have active symptoms. You should make sure that you've been cleared. And we often are telling people, wait 90 days after having had the disease. So these are some of the questions that I get throughout the day. I assume that a lot of those questions are the questions you're getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's free. You know, the vaccine is free. The feds are paying for it. Uh, the insurance companies are paying for the, uh, the, you know, the, the processing of giving the people the vaccine, you know, the administration of it. Uh, we're not charging people because it's in our public health interest to get through this and open up our state. And that's happening. We've now had, you know, well over a million, like a million and I got to say maybe 50,000 people have traveled to Hawaii and safe travels. We've not seen a spike in travel related cases of any consequence. Our case counts are down because people are doing good stuff. So we're gradually getting back, but we'll see a major change for the better once we hit spring and we can not only be safe here, but we can open safely and we don't have to worry about a big, you know, big outbreak again. Okay. Lieutenant Governor, two quick questions for me. Number one, yes. SB and I, what, what number are we? Are we like one, 
Z or something? Like, what do we fall under? Because, I mean, we go to work every we go to work every day. I mean, we're in a studio, but we're with each other, and then we're out and about in the world. So. I think we were actually declared essential we? workers in, yeah, the beginning, exactly. in the beginning of the pandemic. So are we still, because I don't want to show up at the site, and they go, I'm not giving you no vaccine. Yeah, I think media is technically 1C. Uh, that's probably okay. where you're where you're classified. Okay. Uh, people with higher risk, if they have an age issue or, um, you know, they fell into those other categories slightly above. Well, I have diabetes, so rare. I don't know if that falls that puts me in a higher category or what. But also one C, yes, chronic disease uh, and or um, essential workers that are in media are in one C. So you're gonna you're kind of a a double one C. In many ways, there. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'll say that yeah. when I show up. The <laughs> lieutenant governor says I'm a double double one C. <laughs> Whatever that yeah. means. And my my second question is: uh, We are attempting, actually, I think, uh, as me and I both are trying to get our parents vaccinated and whatnot. And the 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 interesting thing is that there are so many different ways to sort of qualify for this. Because there's the Queens one, which is happening over at the Blaisdell. There's the Windward one, and the documentation you have to provide is very different. Uh, the Queens one was much yeah. more stringent than the Kaneohe one. And so I'm just kind of, con- I, I just want to make sure people know which one they're going to have to deal with. Uh, because mm-hmm. a lot of it too is we didn't even, uh, like I had to do the one, well, sorry, my wife had to do the one for my parents and her parents. We, because our parents just are like, computers? Pfft, I don't want to deal with any of that. <laughs> yeah. So are there sure. any suggestions you have? Yeah, well, I definitely think that it's good to help our Kapuna, our parents, um, with the process and you're allowed to do it for them. You can put your email in there if you're going to be helping process it for them, but you'll need their birth date and their, of course their full name. And you, you may need to put in some of their defining uh, information like ethnicity and so on. And definitely whether or not they've had any allergic reactions, but it does take some help. We're not just doing walk-ins. We do want people to have appointments because we don't want long lines. We don't want people exposing themselves to other people that are not yet immune. So they could spread the virus. So, it is, uh, it's important that we help our, our elders get through this process. There will be some support at all the facilities. Queens is being supported by HMSA, I know, for their sign-up. HPH is running it themselves, theirs, and both have been very efficient. The Department of Health is running the Windward site, and they have their own um, process, too. That's been unbelievably smooth, in, in my opinion. So uh, there's a lot of questions out there. The best thing I can tell people is, clearinghouse for all this is hawaiicovid19.com that's hawaiicovid19.com and that's that's where a lot of the answers lie if people are in a crisis they can call me on a cell phone on my cell phone number uh you know 937-0991 but they you know just for emergencies if you don't mind in this particular time because we're we're pushing through a lot of big projects but uh so for all those out there i went through those rapid answers and that's the kind of info i can give people most of the time just be patient. It might take a couple more weeks till we get through all of the uh, our kupuna. It's going to keep accelerating. I would say by the time we talk next week, we may very well be talking about. So I, I said, you know, we're over ninety thousand people vaccinated now, ninety thousand shots. Uh, we'll probably be over one hundred twenty-five thousand shots by this time next week, and then we'll be at one hundred seventy-five thousand. You know, so it's going to really ramp up, uh, and it's something that we'll probably be quite proud of. Awesome. A couple of weeks ago, I had asked you about the variants. Uh, there's been so much national reporting about the variants of coronavirus uh, that are popping up in different spots around the world. And I think at that time, a few weeks ago, you thought that maybe we might be seeing some of the variants here. But I'm hearing since then that they are not here. Can you kind of clarify that for our listeners? 
Yes, we have not had we have not had any uh, confirmed cases of the British variant that's B one one seven, which is more infectious. We've not had any confirmed cases of the South African variant, which is more resistant to treatment with antibodies. Eventually, you know, it's likely an issue, but really what this tells us is that we have to be even more um, more aggressive in getting our vaccines out. We really, really have to. Yeah. And the science is showing that and the so shots are, are effective with the variants, you feel? It, they are. It is. And uh, we also know that if they were to get a very significant variant, usually it takes five to seven years before a virus mutates so much that a vaccine won't work against it. Mm. So we should be in, in the clear for a good long while. But even so, the way they approach this now is that the uh, they're able to actually manipulate the vaccine within five to six weeks if they had to with there was a major variant change. So uh, we'll be ready for that if it does happen. Mahalo nui to our Lieutenant Governor Josh Green for joining us again. You bet. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.